God's plan to draw all people to himself is shown when Ruth, a foreigner, becomes the grandmother of David and thus an ancestor of Jesus. A reading from the book of Ruth. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to Ruth, Daughter, I need to seek some security for you so that it may be well with you. Now here is our kinsman Boaz, who with whose young women you have been working. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Now wash and anoint yourself and put on your best clothes to go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, observe the place where he lies Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. She said to her, All that you tell me, I will do. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The woman of the neighborhood said, uh, the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. The word of the Lord. The psalm for this morning is Psalm 127, found on page 4 of your worship leaflet. If you would please stand and sing. be seated. The sacrifice of Jesus on Calvary has atoned for, for the sins of people everywhere. We now wait in hope for the Lord's coming 
when salvation will be revealed in its fullness. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again, as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. As Jesus taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise be to the Lord Christ. Be seated, please. The story of the widow and her mites is often used um, to preach a stewardship sermon that goes something along the lines, see, she gave everything she had, you can afford 10%, right? Um, But it's much more problematic than that. Um, First of all, this is the very last event of Jesus' public ministry in Mark's Gospel. Um, Beginning with the very next verse, he begins teaching only his disciples. And um, he's walking in the temple And the disciples um, say to him, look at all of these beautiful stones and decorations. And he says, the day is coming when not one stone will be left upon a stone. So this woman has given her two mites to an institution that is doomed. Um, That's kind of crazy behavior and makes us wonder what on earth is going on. Also, in the story, um, the way it's translated there, it says she gave um, everything she had, everything she had to live on. What it says in the Greek is her very life. Um, Four days from now in Mark's gospel, Jesus will give his very life. And so she serves as kind of an example um, for Jesus. Um, Mark is always kind of mixing the boundaries here, this crazy widow woman Um, is serving as an example for Jesus. Mark is also drawing the contrast between the scribes who eat up widows' houses and this widow. 
Um, the scribes would have functioned something like notary publics. Uh, they could read and write and therefore could draw up contracts. And so whenever uh, somebody needed to have some, some contract uh, fixed, they would go to a scribe and get that done. Because they could read, they would also then know the law. Um, so the way they're eating up widows' houses, see, they didn't like lawyers even back then. Um, <laughs> they're sort of taking the best for themselves. And so here they are in their long robes and in the front seats at church, and this widow um, serves as a contrast to them. So the purpose, what this story calls for, is a judgment on whether or not the religious institution is serving the purpose that it's supposed to serve. The religious institution was supposed to guard and protect widows and orphans, and it's not doing that. And seeing her put her two mites in um, makes us call into question whether or not our religious institutions are doing what they're supposed to do. Um, we have another widow, two widows actually, in the story from Ruth, it's a much richer story than the little snippet that we got, and I'm going to back up and tell a little bit of it just so you get the background, but I encourage you to go home and read it. Um, it's a winning, a very charming story, but it's also a joke um, meant to, again, call attention to religious institutions. Um, the story is written at the time when the Jews are returning from Babylon to Jerusalem, um, Ezra the priest is in charge, and things are not going well for the people, and so Ezra calls a council and wonders what on earth um, isn't going right. And, and the men say, well, all of these folks that stayed behind in the exile, and even some of the folks who are coming back, have taken foreign wives. They've taken for themselves and for their sons women of the Moabites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Canaanites, and they have made impure the holy people of God. That's why things aren't going well for us. So Ezra says, okay, this is what we've got to do. All of these men need to divorce their foreign women and send them home. Bad news for those women. Um, they don't have a whole lot to look forward to. And so here comes the story of Ruth. Naomi is married to Elimelech. They live in Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Um, there's a famine in Bethlehem um, because God is not king. Elimelech means God is king. And so Naomi and Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Kilion, go to Moab. And in Moab, Malon and Kilion take Moabite women for their wives, Orpah and Ruth. Um, Elimelech dies, Malon and Kilion die, and so Naomi and Orpah and Ruth are left alone. They have no access to food. So Naomi hears that things have gotten better in Bethlehem, and she's going to return to Bethlehem. Her daughters-in-law come with her to the edge of, the, of, the, of Moab, the plain of Moab, and she says to them, go back to your father's houses. Do you think that I still have sons in my womb to raise up husbands for you so that it will be well with you? Go back home. Orpah turns and goes back home. Ruth says, no, I will go with you. In one of the most charming passages in the Bible, wherever you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there be buried the Lord do thus to me and more also if even death separates you from me. 
Talk about piety. This is just fantastic piety. So she comes home with Naomi. They have no access to food. So Naomi says, go out and glean in the fields. The law said that when the harvest came, you had to leave some behind for the widows and orphans. Now, no one wants to do that. You want to get everything you can out of your field. So people tended not to do that, which made life really hard for widows and orphans. Ruth goes out to glean in the field of Boaz. He sees her and says to his harvesters, leave plenty behind and don't molest her. She's an unprotected woman. Don't molest her. The second day, she's out gleaning. She comes home with a lot of grain, and Naomi says, hmm, this is a good thing. You must go back to his field again. The second day she goes out to glean, he invites her to eat lunch with his harvesters. This is really good. So now we get this. Um, Naomi says to Ruth, wow, this guy's taking good care of you. Here's what you need to do. Take a bath, put on your best clothes, wear some perfume, go down to the threshing floor. Now, at the threshing floor after harvest, they would have a party, and they would eat and drink. And the Canaanites, now the Israelites weren't supposed to do this, but the Canaanites would then have sex at the threshing floor um, as, as thanksgiving for, God, for the fertility of the gods. She says to her, uncover his feet and lie down. Now, feet is a euphemism. And he will tell you what to do. Yes, indeed, he will tell you what to do. Um, and then we, we cut that bit off and we jump over, over the bit. Um, what happens then, you can guess what happens. Um, and before the sun comes up in the morning, um, he sends her home so that no one sees her there. And in case we didn't get the joke, he tells her to hold out your apron and he fills it with seed. Um, okay, so we know what happened. Um, turns out there's another nearer kinsman who has the right to marry her and raise up children for Naomi and for, for Ruth and, and the, the dead men. But he declines the offer when he finds out that the, the fields will have to go to her. So Boaz marries her. She becomes the great-grandmother of King David. She's a Moabite. Ezra has just sent the Moabite women home. The author of this story is saying, wait a minute, not so fast. Is our religious institution protecting the people that it's supposed to be protecting? No. We're sending these women home. What's going to happen to them when they go home? If they're lucky, their fathers will take them back and they will have to slave in their father's house. If they're not lucky, they'll end up being prostitutes. Is this really what God would intend? God who used Ruth the Moabite to become the great-grandmother of David. So the question that these stories raise, are our religious institutions doing what they're supposed to do? Are we carrying forward the purposes of God? There was a meeting here at church yesterday for the missionaries who are going um, to Sudan, and um, there's a couple from, uh, two missionaries also from England, and we Skyped them in and got to meet them and um, talked about what it is that we're doing there in Sudan. Um, I'm going on the trip. Um, I've been asked by Gordon and Vasco there to um, do a pastor's conference on pastoral counseling and stewardship. One of the people going is, is taking an art project. They asked um, her the last time she was there to come and teach their children to do drawings. 
Um, we're doing a little bit of education about parish nursing, um, and we talked about all of that. But then we also talked about the instability in Sudan. Um, there are elections coming up in April of 2010. They're registering voters right now, and just about everybody who knows anything about Sudan, all of the diplomats, are saying that these elections are not going to go well. There will be a return to violence, if not outright civil war. So we begin to wonder, what is the point of us going over? What really do we have to offer? We are not going to change that situation at all. When we were there over last Christmas, Archbishop Daniel came to visit us, and we talked to him about the relationship and what we were trying to do, and did it make sense to spend all of this money on plane tickets to get us over there when we could use that money for something else? And he said, if you have $1,000, he should have said 3000 because that's what it costs. If you have $1,000, come visit us. If you have $2,000, come visit us and bring $1,000. We don't want the money. We want you. We want you so that we're not forgotten, so that we know that we're part of Christ's body. As we talked about how little it is that we're doing, this story of the widow and her mites came to my mind. doesn't seem like a lot. But Jesus notices and honors her gift. Even though the institution itself is doomed, even though things may return to war in Sudan, Jesus notices the gift and honors it. I've been pushing you all to be involved in hands-on, face-to-face ministry. We're not changing the world. We feed a few people here and there. We give some tomatoes to feed my people. We're not going to end hunger. But Jesus notices the gift and honors it. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to give what we can. Because Jesus gave what he could. This woman gave what she could. And it won't be lost. It will be included in God's purposes for God's kingdom, even though it seems too small to make a difference. Amen.